Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Welcome friends, Jen here, and of course with me for our fifth episode is astrologer and eclipse wizard, April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Well, hey, Jen. I didn't know I was a wizard. You're a wizard. That's pretty great. Well, it's helpful then because the show sheet is just chock full of eclipse stuff today. So it's good to be the wizard on deck for this week. Yeah, absolutely. And we're coming into Christmas week. Yeah, which is hard to believe. It's incredibly hard to believe. And now we're officially in the Capricorn season, which we talked about at some tortuous length last episode. So yeah. So here we are. So what's your holiday looking like? You traveling? What are you doing? It's really busy. I mean, I can't believe the next two weeks are going to be jam-packed. My sister-in-law is coming for a visit for a couple of weeks, and she arrives Thursday. So Mm. it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see her. We always have a good time together. And over the holidays, it'll be sort of one event after another. How about you? Are you traveling? Oh, no, 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 no. We go nowhere. We see no one and we do nothing. (laughs) Christmas is our holiday. (laughs) It used to be we did the whole... We go nowhere, (laughs) we see no one. (laughs) And we do nothing. And that is how we like it. I remember when my mother was still alive and there Mm -hmm. was the whole many, many children in the family at that point and that drive up to the high desert and then the insanity of the ripping open of the gifts and the screaming and the yelling, and it just wore me out. So when I married Johnny, it kind of was my excuse to leap off because I could blame him. I could say, well, Johnny just really doesn't do Christmas, which he really kind of doesn't. So you weren't lying. I was not technically lying, but it really wasn't. He'd have gone if I said, well, I really want to do Christmas with my family. Of course, he'd have gone along, but no, it wasn't something I felt the need for. He's a good sport. He's a good sport. So no, we are doing nothing. Now, we'll probably find some good TV show to binge. Okay, yeah. Which has traditionally been what we do on Christmas. We used to, before we became vegans, we used to make like a Chinese, this delicious Chinese chicken dish that we had and Mm. was real spicy and we'd have that with a little bit of champagne and... I remember one year we binged The Sopranos because everybody had told us about it and it had just come out on DVD. That was a good show. It was. It's not terribly Christmassy. No. (laughs) I'm terribly Christmassy at all. But it it hit the spot. It was a lot of fun. Now, I don't mean to blow your Scorpio ascendant or anything, but do you guys have a dedicated guest room? (laughs) Are people going to be able to stay in your guest room? Now, I'm not inviting myself. I'm just thinking on your behalf. I don't. When we have people come to stay, we do love it for about a couple days. And, you know, and then it's like... We do. We have a guest room downstairs. It has two twin beds in it. And it's comfortable down there. No, wait a minute. Hold what? the phone. Mm-hmm. Downstairs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have an upstairs? That's very fancy. Are we fancy? <laughs> or is that we a have a downstairs. <laughs> I've always wanted so it. I've got it downstairs. I've My always God. wanted it upstairs. <laughs> is that a Minnesota thing, though? Is it because it, the heat rises and you want to be warmer? Hold on. You don't have a basement? No. This is <laughs> California. <laughs> what are you talking about? She says it like, no. Nobody when, has a basement Jen, on the face of the earth. Well, no. I had one in Indiana, so I'm, I'm well aware. But we needed them to get away from the tornadoes is basically why you had basements. No, in California, where I live, 
in San Diego, we have these beautiful old arts and crafts bungalows, right? Mm -hmm. But they were set literally on the dirt. I see. There was nothing. There was, okay, a, a scant foundation wall. And when we redid, and this is not at all astrological, and I'm sure not fascinating to our <laughs> listeners, so you can cut it off if you need to. But when we had to do our foundations, they had to actually excavate 18 inches down to build a proper foundation wall. No kidding. Yeah. And there was no guttering. Huh. I mean, this place is built as if... <laughs> <laughs> As if the elements simply, you live in a matchbox. <laughs> we kind of do, yeah. Some no, there's no cellar here. We do have an attic, but we don't. I didn't go in say it. we had a cellar. I said we had a basement. <laughs> Hello. What's the difference? <laughs> we did have probably some kind of things in jars down there, but I didn't really want to look too close. <laughs> things in jars. <laughs> things in jars. That's a very Plutonian down there. Want nothing to do with it. Anyway, here we are, Christmas season, <laughs> still no basement in the kid household. And, yeah. uh, and and Jen is fancy with a second story. I just had no idea that I was dealing with an upstairs person. Well, a second story would be above the ground floor. So we have a ground floor, but we also, <laughs> I mean, not to get too technical. Well, I hope so. Otherwise, it's like dangling <laughs> midair, your second story. Like a treehouse. <laughs> Which sounds kind of awesome. Sounds kind of fun, doesn't it? It does sound fun. Yes, we do have a basement. <laughs> that is where my sister-in-law stays and most people who stay with us. So, Well, nice. And where we will stay when we eventually visit you. Yeah, absolutely. You cities. can have the downstairs area and it even has a bathroom down there and a shower. Excellent. So. Thank you. And then yeah. we can commune. Come on over. With, we'll commune with Jack and Bear. Yeah. yeah. Because we did talk last week about house sitting. Right. That was our analogy for mutual reception. As if you had a plan in which you would take over the care and feeding of Spike first. Yeah, I had no plan, <laughs> but uh, it, it could happen someday. You just never know happen. about these things. Yes. The idea, of course, is at some point, we'll be in the same place at the same time. Now, where will Joni and I stay when we come? Okay, so here's the deal. We do have a guest room, and until very recently, it had what most people said was the most comfortable guest bed they had ever slept in. Oh, nice. But then Johnny retired, so he needed a office mm -hmm. room, so we had to get rid of the bed. But we're going to do a Murphy bed, so eventually we will have a place for you guys to sleep. The kind of bed that comes out of the wall? Yes. You're kidding. Yes. I kid you not. Do they no. make those? Oh, they make them. And there's actually, they can be really comfy. And they're nice because they have storage space around the side. Very cool. That is yeah. cool. And you're calling me it. fancy, you with your Murphy bed and your... <laughs> Don't have it yet. I'm pre-fancy. <laughs> However, well, anyway, we won't go down that road, but I, I will say we're having a very fancy front path put in in front of our house that we're very excited oh, about. you must so send me a picture when you have I will. It. When it's done, he's almost done, and I'll take a picture, and maybe we'll use it as a little picture on the show notes oh, yeah, so everybody can see this fantastic thing that is happening in our front yard. Yeah. No problem. I'm just going to put it right out there. I'm very phlegmy this morning. Well, you know, if you move to Minneapolis... <laughs> During the winter, your allergies magically go away. That's true. And they only get worse here in San Diego. <laughs> it's really, oh, the seasonal allergies on the first thing in the morning. I'm so sorry, folks. I'm so sorry. So let's talk quickly about Mercury going into Capricorn. She's bringing us back to business, which is probably good and very Capricornian of you. It is very Capricornian of me. We do have to talk about astrology at some point. So <laughs> we did talk about Mercury going into Sag, and it seems like it was yesterday. We just talked about that. But this week, Mercury is going into Capricorn on December 28th, and it'll be there through January 16th. And how does Mercury act when he's in Capricorn? Well, the communication becomes a little less 
Sagittarius spontaneous, more focused, organized, strategic, and as you said, getting down to business. Mm -hmm. And it's a great time for making lists. So if you're the kind of person that likes to make year-end you know, lists of what you want to do for the coming year or something like that, or get all of your paperwork put together, you know, in advance of tax season, whatever it is you need to do with paper and planning and lists and those kind of things. Capricorn loves lists. I thought Virgo loved lists. Virgo probably does as well. Mm -hmm. Capricorn always likes to have an outline and an agenda. Sure. And Virgo will make lists, but the problem with Virgo is Virgo will often kind of stall out in the list making process because it keeps thinking of more things to add to the list. And the problem for Virgo really is it gets something done and it drives them crazy to know that it's something they're probably going to have to go back and do again. So things like washing dishes or doing laundry or cleaning house. We think of Virgo as this incredibly fastidious sign. Yeah. But if you turn it over in your mind and think of people that you know that have a lot of Virgo planets, they are just as apt to be a little bit on the messy side hmm. as they are on the super tidy side. Okay. Because the feeling is that it's so depressing to them <laughs> and they're washing the dishes and they're just going to have to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> and so <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> Maybe I'm just thinking from my Pluto and Virgo perspective, the nihilism that goes with it. So yeah, maybe list-making people, but Capricorn people have the list and then they delight in ticking each thing off the list. Boy, we have a lot of planets in Capricorn right now. We got a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Have you looked at the chart for the eclipse? No. Chock full, oh Capricorn goodness. Okay, the big news with the moon this week. Yes. Well, we have a new moon in Capricorn and it's a solar eclipse. I can't wait to have this conversation. It's pretty great. We promised you last week we would really get into it eclipse-wise. And this eclipse falls on Christmas Day where Jen and I are in San Diego and in Minneapolis. But for most everybody else, it actually is on Boxing Day. I guess that's what the 26th is, isn't it? Oh, they do call it that. Yeah. Or Unboxing Day, which I guess is the new. Isn't that a thing? No, I've never heard of that. Is that only out in fancy California with your (laughs) no basements and your Murphy beds? (laughs) And our fabulous walk-in closets? And your unboxing (laughs) days? No, this is apparently a thing. People do this on YouTube where they unbox something on the video. They open it up and reveal it. it. I don't know. I haven't watched these, (laughs) but I just go by what I've heard. I don't know. It's a thing. Look it up. Google it. I don't know. So anyway, it's Boxing Day. I guess we'll post a link, question mark. (laughs) Or maybe we won't. I'm not really sure. I think it's important that people know. It might be in our show notes. Maybe they're turning to us for the current trends and developments, and we need to give them that. (laughs) Because we're all over that stuff. So we're going to talk about eclipses today, and it's most of what we're going to talk about. Because there's other than Mercury going into Capricorn, which we just talked about, Mm -hmm. not a whole lot to go into there, really. Well, and there's a lot to talk about with this eclipse. There really is. And so the sun will also make a trine aspect to Uranus on Christmas Eve. The sun will make a conjunction to Jupiter on December 27th. Those are nice aspects, but they're all we're going to fold them all into this eclipse. And again, when, when it's making a conjunction to Jupiter, it just means more or less it's near it in the sky when you look out. And when you're talking about a trine, it's a 120 degree angle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good recap, Jen. Mm-hmm. Good recap. That's my short recap. <laughs> so let's talk about eclipse basically. So what does an eclipse mean? Why should we care about it astrologically? 
And then we'll talk a little bit about the astronomy of them or whatever, which I'm sure to get completely lost with, although I should know this stuff. So eclipses in astrology signify change and crisis. And crisis is a word that freaks people out because we only have negative connotations with it. When we think crisis, we think of the worst moments of our lives. Mm -hmm. We think of deaths. We think of accidents. We think of loss of a job or a career failure. We think of terrible things. But a crisis just means that you have taken a particular path as far as you can, and now it's time to go in another direction. Mm -hmm. You're at a turning point. It's like the moment in a novel or a narrative where the plot thickens and the action changes. It's a moment of tension in your narrative. You're at a fork in the road. Yeah. Now, some of the best experiences of your life can also be crises. So if you talk to somebody who's just gotten married or somebody who's just had their first child or somebody who has just experienced an enormous career success, then you will be talking to a person who's in crisis. Their whole life has changed and the old rules no longer apply and they have to find a new way of rewriting the rules of their life and getting their bearings. Hmm. So eclipses mark times of crisis. Sometimes they're really big crises, and sometimes they're relatively small and inward. And we'll talk about the difference between them and how you can see if a really big one's coming in your chart and how you know if it's liable to be not that big of a deal. Can you think of a crisis in your life as an example that was something, because you're right, I mean, when I think about crises, I always think about the negative aspects, that something big happens, and as a result, sure, you had to turn one way or the other, and Mm -hmm. at its base, though, I think of it as something not happy. Right. Can you think of an example of a crisis that turns into something that could be positive? Yeah, well... I'm having this eclipses in a close opposition to my Venus. So I'll use that as an example. Yeah. So I was in a terrible relationship, which I alluded to before we started talking today, Mm -hmm. a terrible relationship around the time I had an eclipse in aspect to Venus in my chart. And I ended up getting kicked out of my band because my boyfriend was horrible and did terrible things to somebody in the band. And just on and on. Terrible story. Mm -hmm. And that is an eclipse to Venus because not only is it a relationship-oriented example, which is Venus... But Venus also asks us to go into, do I deserve this treatment? Mm -hmm. So relationships really show us that. If you're in a bad relationship with someone, there comes a moment where you have to look at it and go, shouldn't I be doing better than this? Shouldn't I be treated better than I'm being treated in this relationship? That was a turning point for me with that relationship. Now, fast forward. I think it was nine years later when I had an eclipse to Venus again. And I remember I was newly engaged to somebody who treated me super well. Mm -hmm. And there was a moment that we were planning the wedding. We were at my future sister-in-law's house and we were sitting around the table. And my husband accidentally called me by his old girlfriend's name. Oh, ouch. So I, of course, burst into tears and, you know, go out of the room and everything. So it was a a little moment of kind of activating some self-worth issues Mm -hmm. and also the fact that when you're planning a wedding, you're crazy, you know? Yeah. But the contrast to me of those two experiences was that they were both about relationship, right? Mm -hmm. One of them was one where I had to say, gee, do I deserve to be treated this badly? And part of the problem when I got engaged to my husband, who's a super nice person who was really good to me, was do I deserve to be treated this nicely? Because Venus is also about self-worth. It's about self-worth. It's yeah. like, and that that's the basis of the relationships that we form. 
They're based on our sense of self-worth. What am I bringing to the table? What kind of treatment do I deserve? What do I have to give? I could go on and on with examples from the lives of people that I know and clients, but that's one that just sort of sticks out in my head, and it's something I'm ruminating on at this eclipse season. Yeah. It's really interesting, though, because, I mean, you're right, patterns emerge, right? And that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that eclipses show us. And it's one of the things that really fascinates me about astrology, actually, because Mm -hmm. you can start to recognize these patterns in your life. And through that, you can start creating positive change and be more intentional about how you react to things. That's exactly right. And that's the whole beauty of astrology is it gives us a different way of reflecting on things, a different frame for what things mean. And gives us a little bit of objectivity. Yeah. So that is what I mean when I talk about these eclipse patterns. So this eclipse we're going to have is a solar eclipse. And I'll tell you briefly about the difference between solar and lunar eclipses. Cool. And if they mean anything different astrologically, which they seem to. So solar eclipses occur at least twice each year when we have a new moon that's close to one of the lunar nodes. And it has to be within 13 degrees or something of the of the transiting lunar nodes. And do you want to say what the nodes are? So the lunar nodes mark the point where the Earth's path around the sun intersects with the moon's path around the Earth. Perfectly said. Yeah. So if you picture two hula hoops and kind of at an angle, one inside the other, where they meet up, those are the nodes. Mm-hmm. So they're not actual bodies in space. They're points on the ecliptic. Yes. So... Solar eclipses can only happen at a new moon. They happen when the sun and the moon are together in the same degree of the same sign. We don't have an eclipse at every new moon because the alignment isn't quite right Right. between the new moon and the nodes. Coming up to a solar eclipse about the week before, we tend to experience them in quite a physical way, I find. How so? We get a little bit off balance, a little bit charged up. To me, they have very much the same symbolism as Uranus, say, where things are just really highly charged. Electric. Yeah. And lunar eclipses happen at a full moon. Lunar eclipses can only happen within two weeks either side of a solar eclipse. So you can have a solar eclipse without a lunar eclipse, although it isn't common. But you can't have a lunar eclipse without a solar eclipse. I think solar eclipses are a time when, because it's the moon that is occluding the sun, right? It's the moon's shadow, that lunar qualities like intuition and emotionalism overwhelm the solar self. And the solar self is the part that has a good sense of who it is relative to other people. It's our sanity. It's our sense of who we are and what that means. Hmm. So for a moment, around the time of a solar eclipse, we get a little nuts because our sense of self gets a little bit overwhelmed by these feelings and all of this intuition. At lunar eclipses, what's happening is the Earth is casting a shadow on the moon. So what we get is more of the ascendancy of the Earth principle. And it's often a time when we will react to emotional challenges by trying to hold on to something physical and real in the world. And here's an example I've often used, but I I really like it as an example of this. When my mother passed away in 1997, within six months, we went from having never talked about buying a house to suddenly, I need this house. We saw this house. I had to have this house. Now, in astrology, the mother and home are both 
ruled by the same symbols. So I could see, even at the time, that what I was trying to do was come up with a physical solution, a house, to an emotional loss, an emotional problem. So that's what we do a little bit at lunar eclipses, I think. It's of trying to get ourselves grounded. It's very akin to me to this transit we're having of Uranus and Taurus, where things are a little bit crazy, but we're trying to get grounded. Because Uranus is in Taurus, which is an Earth sign. Yeah, yeah. And Uranus sort of represents this electrical charge, this... Mm -hmm. The things are changing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's basically how solar and lunar eclipses work. That's really interesting, though. I mean, I've never heard it described that way in terms of how if you live in the United States and you happen to see the eclipse that happened here, summer of 2018, was it? It was 2017. 2017. And, you know, you saw pictures of it. And if you actually experienced it, that moon literally going across the face of the sun. And people get crazy. There's like this primal response. And there's this huge cheer that just erupts from the crowd. Uh And people talking about how tingly that... Did you see it? No. I regret it. I really regret it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, and I'll tell you the reason I didn't, because... Some of my busiest times of year come around the eclipses. That makes sense. (laughs) Because I saw this report, right? So, And I knew I was going to get a ton of orders because of the eclipse, and I did. Mm -hmm. It was insane. So to try to travel and take care of the business side, but I regret it. I really... Were you in the path? You were pretty close. I did see it. I did see part of it. And I got the eclipse glasses and looked at it through the glasses. (laughs) It's amazing how you can even... The moon can take away a lot of the sun, but even if a small amount of sun is still coming through like it was in Minneapolis, it's still really bright out during the day. Yeah, they say it's not the same. (laughs) They say you really have to be in the path of totality to get the full experience of it. But I think you don't even have to be anywhere near where the eclipses are visible to experience this astrologically. I was going to ask that, yeah. Yeah. It's relatively unusual to be in the path of a total eclipse. We'll only get a few in our lifetime, I think, here where we live. Mm -hmm. But eclipses themselves are very common. (laughs) We have them twice every year. Right. So, So the cycle of eclipses is, you know, as I said, we'll have this solar eclipse on Christmas Day. And then two weeks later, on January 10th, we'll have a lunar eclipse. So they work sort of as a little team. Okay. We have the solar eclipse that's in Capricorn, and then we'll have a lunar eclipse in Cancer. Which is the opposite sign if people aren't familiar with the zodiac wheel. Right. Because a lunar eclipse only happens at the full moon, and we know the sun right now is going through Capricorn. So the moon, therefore, must be in the opposite sign at the full moon, which is Cancer. Yeah. So they're sort of tag teaming it. And surely you've seen lunar eclipses, right, April? Yes. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Don't call me, and yes, and don't call me Shirley. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because those look cool also. The moon turns that red. Yeah, they look really beautiful. We've had a couple of really interesting, beautiful, visible ones Mm -hmm. here in Southern California in the last few years. I love that thought, though, that during the eclipse time, then what you want to hold on to is something physical, Mm -hmm. the lunar eclipse. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard it explained that way. That is why you are an eclipse wizard. Well, thank you for that. I do talk to people a lot about eclipses. I think they're fascinating. Mm -hmm. So the other part of eclipses that's really fascinating is their cycle. Because like everything astrological, they have a predictable cycle. Yeah. So eclipses every 19 years, we will have a solar eclipse at roughly the same point. Should be on pretty much the same day of the year, in fact. 
It's called the Metonic Cycle. Hmm. And we'll get four of those spaced 19 years apart, and then the cycle will get disrupted. So I'm not exactly sure where we are in this cycle right now. But if you go back to December 25th, 2000, we had a solar eclipse at this same Oh, same day. Okay. Yeah. But in 2000. Yeah. Mm. So in between, you'll usually see an eclipse that activates the same point, four degrees Capricorn at about the halfway point between December 2000 and December 2019. Okay. So that puts us around 2010. Okay. There was one, there was a lunar eclipse around this point. So we also had a couple of eclipses near this point in 2001 and 2002. Hmm. But really, the last time to really get the full experience was December 25th, 2000. And if you go back to December 1992, there was an eclipse at this point too. So the reason that's interesting to know is we know the exact same points in your chart that are being activated by this eclipse were also activated then. Hmm. And you can go back to those periods of time and get a good sense of the issues that you'll be confronting this time around. It's not that exactly the same thing happens. And I have to hasten to assure people of that because sometimes they'll go back and say, something horrible, you know, something particularly horrible happened. Yeah. They lost a parent or something like, well, you don't, you know, you don't have another father to lose. You're not going to have the same experience this time. Mm-hmm. But it activates similar themes that are related to the house that the eclipse point is in mm-hmm. and the planets that are being aspected in your chart. Mm-hmm. Do we have a general sense of the basics of eclipses and how they work and why we use them? We do. Yeah. Well, what we promised the people last week. Promises were made. And we're, we're about keeping those promises. <laughs> we, we, are wim- sure are. we are women of honor. Uh-huh. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through and give you just a bite-sized idea of what it will happen if an eclipse point is falling in a house of your chart. Awesome. And if it's aspecting particular things. Yeah. So in our show notes from last week, we gave you a link to my website where you can actually go in and calculate your chart if you haven't already done that. You probably have. And there is also a blog post that will help you situate these eclipse points in your chart. Okay. So we'll go through and look at the eclipses by houses. And the way I work with houses and eclipses is really as pairs. Because if you're having a solar eclipse in one house, this one's in my second house as an example, I know that the lunar eclipse that accompanies it is probably going to be in the opposite house because it's going to be in Cancer, the opposite sign. So I know the second and the eighth houses are both probably being impacted by this. And they work as a team. It's my money and other people's money, right? Mm -hmm. So if this eclipse point at four degrees of Capricorn or the lunar eclipse at 20 degrees of Cancer, which happens in January, is falling in the first house of your chart or the seventh house of your chart, we know that it's time to address any imbalances between yourself and others in order to achieve harmony in your relationships. Mm. These are often eclipses when people are in a transitional period in a relationship, getting engaged, getting married, breaking up, moving out. It's a very action-oriented axis. Me versus we. Yes. Yeah. And you'll see people a lot of the time if they're having, say, a midlife crisis (laughs) And the time is, oh, I need to do more for myself. That's first house language. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's having an eclipse in the first house, they're often either in a very unfamiliar situation and having to cope with that, or they're trying to do more for themselves. 
If the eclipse is in the seventh house, sometimes the partner's going through some changes too, and you're needing to deal with that. So eclipses also have a pattern of moving backwards through the chart. That's their natural pattern. And just so people know, backwards is actually clockwise. And that's another thing when I was learning astrology that made no sense to me about why the <laughs> why everything moves counterclockwise unless it's going retrograde, then it moves clockwise. Right. So that's a whole discussion. Well, and we it's can... because the planets go counterclockwise around the sun. Mm-hmm. So that makes See, sense and you once just, you learn you that. Just, you said it very concisely. <laughs> So with eclipses, so they move backwards, yes. Yeah, eclipses move backwards. So they take us on that backward journey. Yeah. And to me, that's a real revealing part of eclipse work because we're going further inward hmm. as the eclipses go around. They're not that outward-oriented thing. So eclipses then shift to the 12th and the 6th houses. So if you have 4 degrees of Capricorn or 20 degrees of Cancer in one of those houses... I call this the axis of mastery and healing. I like that. Yeah, it's when we're adjusting to new realities. Because if you've just had eclipses in the first and seventh houses, probably you've experienced some significant external changes in your life. Yeah. So when eclipses go into the 12th and 6th houses, it's time to adjust to that. So sometimes you're taking time out to rest, or you're having to develop new healthy habits. If you got married with eclipses in the first house, Now you need a little time to draw back into the 12th house and adjust to it. Get used to the new changes in your life. Figure it out. Mm -hmm. Then eclipses move into the 11th and 5th houses. This is the axis of expression, self-expression, and collaborating with other people. So it is a time to indulge your own creative passions. And also it can lead you to changes in your friendships. And to be positive, I'll say lead you to better and more authentic friendships. But what people often experience, because this eclipses are about change and crisis, is that sometimes you lose friends during this cycle if they have not been friends of the heart. Or if you're going through a lot of changes and you need to be doing some things that are true to you, because that's the fifth house, not everybody's going to go along on that journey with you. Right. So it can also be if you're a creative person, Maybe you create something and then the response you get from the audience, which is the 11th house, is not what you hoped it would be. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting way of putting it because I've always thought of the 5th house as self-expression and the 11th house as friendship groups or people that we know in groups. And mm-hmm. I like that idea of collaboration and how it really leads you to more something more authentic. Yeah. And the 11th house, it's creative as well, but it's the things we do with people because one person can't accomplish it on their own. Mm-hmm. So if you get in a band, as opposed to being a single singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. you get in a band and you're in an 11th house pursuit because... You can't make the sound of a whole band on a stage by yourself. Right. So it's the 11th house thing. But it's also the audience that comes to see you. Uh-huh. Then eclipses move back into the 10th and the 4th houses. That's another really important axis. It's about location in the world, how you are located, the place where you live, and the direction that you want to go in, which is the 10th house. God, I love the way you're putting these because I could go through and list the 12 houses. Mm-hmm. But I like the way that it's location and direction. I've never heard it said that way. They really work in pairs. Yeah. And that is what eclipse work has really taught me. So this is the time we align the compass. And if we put ourselves in the right place, if we're living in the right house, in the right city, the right neighborhood, amongst the right people... 
then we're in a better position to point ourselves toward the path with heart, Mm -hmm. the thing that we really want to do out in the world, our career path. Cool. So what in reality happens when people have eclipses in the 10th and 4th houses is they often move or do something important to their house or have a career change. And maybe one thing leads to another. Okay. And because if you have eclipses in the 10th and the 4th houses, they can be squaring planets in the 1st and 7th houses very often. Ah, so sometimes right. what happens is, oh, you've gotten married, so now you have to move to a city and get a new job. So that's how the 1st and 7th can work together with the 4th and the 10th. Yeah, that makes sense. Then eclipses go in the ninth and 3rd houses, the axis of exploration and communication and understanding. So this is the time to learn more, to question what you know, to share what you know with others, and to break out of your comfort zone, and to second guess yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. And be sure you're not just relying on past knowledge, preconceptions, and ideas that might be outmoded. It's often an important eclipse cycle for people to continue their education, for instance, learn a new skill, and learn the consequences of poor communication patterns <laughs> sometimes <laughs> happens. And then eclipses in the eighth and the second houses, which is where you and I are. And that's the axis of possessions and values. So it's about what I have versus what we have together, which is the eighth house. Right. So this is about respecting what you have, building trust with other people, which is the eighth house part, and sharing what you have with other people as well. Building trust with other people is eighth house? Yeah. It's because the second house is confidence in yourself. Right. The eighth house is confidence in another person and the confidence Uh they have in themselves and with you. That makes sense. Okay. So if you think of the eighth house just in terms of planets you have there or other transits that go through the eighth house, you can realize it's the house of intimacy. Yeah. But intimacy is built on lots of things. And people with Scorpio planets like yourself or like me, need time to get to know someone and really have it proven to them that the person's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, I think, is the eighth and the second. I've always thought the eighth house is possibly the most difficult to describe. Between that and the twelfth. The twelfth is... There's so much going on in each house, and it's really difficult to describe both of them. I get to the twelfth, and it stops me in my tracks every time. <laughs> How do you mean? Because what I like to do in astrology is give people practical skills to help them live their lives in a more informed way. The 12th house is not about the everyday world as we tend to experience it. We're not yogis living in meditation all day. And that's how my brain goes to the 12th house. I think so. I have to be in a monastery or something. Obviously, it's not that. But it's funny you just used that example because as you were talking, I was thinking what came into my head was Pema Chodron's book, When Things Fall Apart, Mm. or any of her books. She's Mm -hmm. a Buddhist nun who she writes really well, and I really respect her work. I do, too. She's wonderful. Yeah. So then if you have the eclipse point, at, let's say the one at four degrees of Capricorn, if you have a planet between zero and eight degrees of a cardinal sign, so Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn, this is an important eclipse related to that planet mm-hmm. because that planet gets stirred up by the eclipse energy and is subject to this energy of change. When eclipses are aspecting the natal sun, so if you're born around December 25th, or the opposite point, or in April or October as you were. 
then you're being asked to take more of a starring role in your own life. And this can be uncomfortable. If you're a very modest person or a person who's used to relying on other people to take the lead Mm -hmm. and then you follow, this can be a difficult eclipse. And it can be also big transitions involving important men in your life or authority figures generally. So issues with a boss or issues with a dad. People in your life who you have given authority over you to make decisions, that gets called into question at eclipses to the sun. And the image I always have is that moment in movies about a monarch where the, you know, the king or queen has died and then they come to the next in line for the succession to tell them and, you know, the king is dead, long live the queen. Mm-hmm. And think how that would feel at that moment. You would feel completely unprepared. You would feel like you're not up to the task. Right. But you have to stand up and take charge. It's about identity. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Eclipses aspecting the natal moon, you will get often a perceived threat to either your your security, your safety, your comfort, your privacy. Sometimes when somebody moves in with somebody in a romantic relationship, you'll see aspects to the moon from eclipses because it's a big adjustment. It's a crisis to have to learn to live day to day with somebody. You'll also see big transitions involving one's home, family, or maternal figures in life. Interesting that you said perceived threats, mm-hmm. <laughs> because sure. that's all that matters. You know, it could yeah. be a threat or it could not, but it's all how we interpret it, right? And I would say the threat becomes more real and observable if it's something like Mars, <laughs> which it can right. be. Some, but it's very action oriented and yeah. as- aggressive. I should say, not assertive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eclipses aspecting Mercury call for a change in how you define yourself. And it can be hard to parse this out from eclipses to the sun because they travel very close together. So we often have an eclipse to the sun and an eclipse to Mercury pretty close together, but they're real different. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mercury is the first planet from the sun. so Right. Yeah. Eclipses aspecting the sun say, coming to grips with who you are, but eclipses to Mercury say, and this is how I'm going to tell the world I am. This is how I define myself. It might be you take on a new role. I've seen people when they have their first child get an eclipse to Mercury Hmm. because they get to call themselves mother or father. The role changes. Or maybe you get a job with a different title. I've seen people literally change their name, too. (laughs) Uh, That happened to me. I had eclipse to Mercury, got married, had to change. Well, didn't have to, but chose to change my name. You chose to change your name. Yeah. Uh Eclipse is an aspect of Venus. We talked about that a little bit in my example. It's a crisis in relationships. There may be a threat to your sense of security or self-esteem. There can be big financial developments, either positive or negative. If you've been very poor and then suddenly you're extremely wealthy because you've won the lottery, that's a crisis. It's a crisis many of us would like to experience, but it is still a crisis and can throw you for a loop. Uh When eclipses are aspecting Mars, there is a crisis around feeling that you need to defend or guard or protect yourself. And this can often be feeling people are attacking you. But I've also seen people have to battle illnesses when they have eclipses to Mars because you're protecting yourself, you're defending yourself, you're trying to keep yourself going. This can be a time of important developments in your workplace. And it's also often a time of sexual transition. You'll see at the onset of menses or of menopause Mm. or perimenopause. 
eclipses aspecting Mars because it's a sexual symbol. Okay. Eclipses aspecting Jupiter is when you're called upon to start moving in a new direction to take some kind of leap of faith. The problem comes if you've bitten off a little more than you can comfortably chew. (laughs) And then you find out that you've done that, usually at the eclipse. And these are transitions in either education or travel, often. Sometimes religion. Okay. Eclipses aspecting Saturn. This is when you've outgrown some part of your life or you need to rewrite the rules and the structure. Above all, you cannot blame others for your problems. When eclipses aspect Saturn, you're called to take responsibility for making your life look the way you want it to look. Yeah. And to not blame anybody. That's very Saturn. And it's very empowering. (laughs) And it's never what clients want to hear. They can get really cranky when I start talking to them in Saturn language. But I try to assure them, no, this is the most liberating of planets. Because if you take total charge of your life, you're the one in control. Yeah. Instead of waiting for somebody else to do it for you. Right, right. We should do an episode on Saturn sometime. Oh, he at least deserves an episode. I know some people that are approaching their Saturn return. They would find that very interesting, I think. Well, and I am too. I'm approaching my second second one. Saturn is incredibly important, and I have a real soft spot for him. Mm -hmm. But when people come to me for readings, they want to talk about Saturn, and they want to talk about Pluto. Yeah. They don't know that's what they want to talk about, but those are the issues. Yeah. Saturn and Pluto. So eclipses an aspect to Uranus. This eclipse is a little bit off orb to Uranus in your chart, but it's pretty close. Mm -hmm. So this is when we have a crisis sometime around friendships, you know, trying to find our people and feeling kind of like a misfit when we're in the process of doing that. I remember having an eclipse to Uranus when we moved to California and feeling like a complete misfit Mm. and, yeah, having a hard time building friendships and feeling like I fit in. This Indiana kid moving to California and feeling very out of sorts. I can imagine that would be hard. Having to wear shoes. It was a (laughs) stifling experience. (laughs) You having to wear shoes. Having to get used to having no basement. (laughs) Extremely disorienting. And what was this bed coming out of the wall? I know, exactly. (laughs) Um, Eclipses, okay, eclipses an aspect to Neptune. This is when blind spots are revealed. Disillusionment is very possible to the extent that you've been fooling yourself in any area of your life. I knew somebody who found out that her husband had a separate credit card and was getting the statement sent to a post office box and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, with Mm. eclipses an aspect to Neptune. So. I'm not saying that's going to happen to anybody, but it's an example of the kind of thing, if you've had a blind spot, these eclipses will often reveal them. Eclipses in aspect to Pluto are about a crisis around feeling that you're in control of anything, confronting really dark forces like rage and jealousy and fear and covetousness and grappling with with all issues of power. Uh Eclipses aspecting the ascendant will really precipitate a relationship crisis. If you have an eclipse right on your ascendant or right on your descendant degree, that's usually pretty pivotal for relationships. There's generally a need for more independence, change in appearance, moving to a new place Okay, with eclipses to the ascendant. And the ascendant, just so people know, is basically the doorway to your whole chart. Mm -hmm. The cusp of the first house. It's your welcome mat for your chart. Your welcome mat. I like that. Mm. Eclipses and aspect to the midheaven will bring often a career crisis, a change in status or direction. 
and eclipses aspecting the lunar nodes are really sensitive. They aspect the prenatal eclipse point. We don't have time to go into that today. Oh, I was going to ask about prenatal eclipses, but I knew we wouldn't have time to go into it. Yeah, not in any great detail. Mm -hmm. But what you will do is look at the eclipses that happened prior to your birth. Right. And there will be one within, you know, the nine months of your birth. And those points, the eclipse points of the prenatal eclipses are really sensitive points in your chart. So when you have eclipses to your lunar nodes in your birth chart, it often triggering those prenatal eclipse points. Okay. So they're pretty sensitive. And the lunar nodes describe that tension between what we're most comfortable doing, which is the south node, and what we're called upon to get better at to reach our full potential. That's the north node. The aspects that you're referring to, you mostly mean kind of squares, oppositions, and conjunctions. That's all I work with, with eclipses. Because if you're having a trine to your north node, Mm -hmm. you're going to maybe still feel it, but it won't be so jarring as if it were something like an opposition. I'm not even sure that there's a strong experience of it. But because my sense of eclipses is that they have to do with crisis, Mm And the softer aspects, like a trine and a sextile, seldom precipitate crisis. True. In order to simplify the work and really see what's getting triggered, yeah. I find it a lot more helpful to just confine it to the conjunction, the opposition, or the square. Because mm-hmm. I get those emails all the time, or people will respond to the my eclipse report, and they'll say, oh, but I'm having an eclipse trine my Mars. And what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know, probably not a lot, because it's not going to trigger a strong movement towards change or crisis. Or maybe, for example, with a trine to the south node, it would be easier to let things go if you made a conscious effort to do that. Maybe. Watch it and tell me what you think. I'll let you know. <laughs> I, don't work with it. I, just, I don't work with them a ton because I didn't yeah. see I was getting a lot from them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I look at, the, I pay attention to my own chart and I say, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, when I'm desperate for, I'm feeling the, you know, FOMO. Fear of missing out on the eclipse because it's not hitting anything in my chart. And I go, well, what can I pull in here? And I'll look. I don't know. I just don't get the same experience. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, I mean, I did go into eclipses quite a lot, too, on my friend Mel LaFera's podcast, Energetic Principles. And I think you told me that just came out. Yes, today. It just came out today. I noticed. So Mm -hmm. look that one up, Energetic Principles. And we did a whole interview about eclipses and see what I have no idea what I said. So get back to me on that. Let me know. But we did talk at length about all of the the, the next two eclipses. I Fear think. not. You made sense. <laughs> good. Thank goodness. <laughs> and this seems like a good time to plug my moon shadow eclipse report. Plug away. Because I'm going to give a discount Yee-hoo! to our podcast listeners. These are the only people that are getting this discount code. So what you do is you go to order the report either through my website or you can go to eclipseastrology.com, which will take you to the same place. And at checkout, you use the discount code podcast eclipse, all lowercase, podcast eclipse five at checkout. The number five. Yes. And then you will get the discount. And that offers good through December 27th. We'll put that in the show notes too. Yes. For our pod people. Little benefit for folks that listen to our podcast. Yes. For listening through this whole riotous journey that we've taken (laughs) from basements to eclipses. (laughs) (laughs) Have we done it? We did it. 
Yeah, I think that's great. We gave a lot of information about eclipses, about the houses, about the aspects, and we went over time for sure. We went way so. over time, but we hope this has been super helpful to you. Thank you for listening. We wish you every happiness for a bright and warm holiday week with all of the people you love. They, hopefully you get to spend some of it with. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please rate it. Yes, rate, rate and it. review. It's free. It's easy. <laughs> And it's fast. It helps others find the podcast. Yes. So until then, we will see you next week. And keep your feet on the ground. And your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Oh,